First Kings chapter number 18, we've been working through this road and results of revival. We talked about a stand had to be taken. Remember, he said, who's on the Lord's side? Let's decide. A decision was made. A sacrifice was prepared. And now this morning, I want us to look at the prayer that was prayed. And before I read my text, let me say it like this. No true revival has ever come without either powerful preaching or prevailing prayer. It's not going to happen without powerful preaching and prevailing prayer. And I don't mean long, drawn-out preaching. You say, Brother Joe, name me one revival that broke out through powerful preaching. Well, go to the book of Jonah. And a whole city was revived with Jonah's powerful preaching. And I know you're going to like this part. His sermon was eight words long. You like that, don't you? But my name ain't Jonah. But he preached eight words, Wes. Eight words. And the power of God hit that place. And the Bible said from the greatest to the least, from the king's throne to the papa's lean-to, a hundred and thousand plus souls got saved through the powerful preaching. And now we come to another picture of revival that comes through prevailing prayer. In fact, Elijah's prayer wasn't real long. If I count it correctly, in 63 words, less than a minute, Elijah calls the power of God down. And I'm not against long praying. Now, if you're saying the blessing over the food, I would appreciate it if you'd shorten it a little. And I and I believe in praying all night. Boy, we need some all-night prayer meetings. But I'm telling you, it's not the length of your prayer. It's the condition of your heart. It's not even the big fancy words, but it's the desperation that comes out of a heart longing for God. And so Jonah's eight-word sermon and Elijah's 63-word prayer. God moves in a mighty way. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit dig in your heart today at this 63-word prayer of God's man by the name Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 36. And it came to pass at the time of the, of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, here's his prayer, Lord, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38, then, and underline that, then, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, not Elijah, but the manifestation of the sovereign God of heaven, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces 
and said, The Lord, He is God. Repeat it with me. The Lord, He is God. Because Elijah got a hold of God and God got a hold of them. And all through your Bible, you find place after place where God did the miraculous through the power of prevailing prayer. And as I said, prevailing prayer is not necessarily a long, drawn-out prayer. Sixty-three words of honest, prevailing prayer. And the power of God fell in that day. You say, well, Brother Joe, what has that got to do with us? I'm glad you asked. The Bible said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he answered prevailing prayer yesterday, how many believe he's able to answer prevailing prayer today? And ladies and gentlemen, the only hope for your grandchildren and mine is that God answers prevailing prayer. All through the Bible, you can see God doing the miraculous because he answered prevailing prayer. You remember Lot got delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah through the powerful prevailing prayer of Abraham. Ezra and Nehemiah saw the walls rebuilt and the temple restored and Israel revived through the power of prevailing prayer. Daniel found strength to stand in the midst of persecution through the power of prevailing prayer. And even on the day of Pentecost, when they prayed, the place was shaken and they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul and Silas rocked the jailhouse in the midnight hour through prevailing prayer. And even James, our dear brother, says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I love that verse so much, can I quote it again? The effectual, one that really works, one that has an effect on you and others around you, the effectual Fervent, the word means boiling hot, coming from a heart that is totally consumed with the desire to know God in all of his fullness. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And can I ask you a question this morning? Is there anybody here besides me tired of watching the devil prevail? And the world prevail. And a wicked political system prevail. And on every hand, it seems like the church is losing the light and losing the salt and, and giving up ground. But I just believe if we will affectionately and fervently and prevailing get a hold of God, God will get a hold of us. And instead of giving ground, we can take some ground. And by the way, let me clear me off a piece of real estate and just say it like this. The world, 
Let me make it more plain. America does not need any more social club and playhouses and country club churches. America needs a place where the Bible is thundered and Jesus is praised. And the Holy Ghost moves and sinners have an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. It's not recreation time. It's not bingo time. It's not throwing in the towel time. It's not aerobics time. It's preaching time. It's praying time. It's shouting time. It's revival time. Oh, I feel good. And I believe God wants to again, like He did for Ezra and Nehemiah, and, and Abraham and Paul and Silas and our brother James and the man in our text today. God is still alive and well and He is still on the throne and He is still willing and able to honor the power and the privilege of prevailing prayer. You say, Brother Joe, what could be so special about a little prayer that 63 words? There's three things about it that I want you to see. Three words I want you to write down today. Write down the word repentance. Then write down the word reverence. And then write down the word request. The word repentance. The word reverence. And the word request. We see all three of these principles embedded in this 63 word prayer. Number one about repentance. Let me say it like this. You know what makes this prayer so awesome to me? It confessed and acknowledged the failures and the sins of the people. To me, one of the most powerful phrases in our text is that phrase, turn their hearts back again. Say that phrase with me, and turn their hearts back again. For some reason, God's people had forgotten where they had come from. They had forgotten the commandments. They had forgotten the greatness and the holiness of God. And they had forgotten the extended mercies of God that they had seen in their life. And their heart had turned away from God. And their heart had turned away from the light. And their heart had turned away from the truth. And their heart had turned away from the power of the moving of God in their life. And ladies and gentlemen, may I ask you this question today? If you turn from light, then what is the opposite of that? Darkness. And may I ask you this today? If you turn from truth, what is the opposite of that? Error and deception. Let me ask you this today. If you turn from life and power, what is the opposite of that? Death and weakness. And I want to tell you, Jesus invested too much in his church. And he shed every drop of his precious blood to purchase the church. And what God did on the day of Pentecost, filling the church with the power of the Holy Spirit. He deserves more than error. He deserves more than deception. He deserves more than darkness. He deserves more than death and weakness. Don't you believe Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of the church, deserves a church that's alive and walking in the light and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit? We need to turn our hearts back again. America needs to turn her heart back again. 
Our politicians need to turn their hearts back again. Our moms and dads need to turn their hearts back again. And the preachers that grace the pulpit need to turn our hearts back again. I'm glad He loved me. I'm glad He saved me. I'm glad He is my Lord. I'm glad He is my God. I want to love Him with my heart. I want to serve Him with my heart. I want to praise Him with my heart. Oh God, may a heartfelt heart throb break out in us today. And God, turn our hearts back again. I forget who this politician was, but not long ago, they called on a politician from a certain state to lead in a public prayer. I want to tell you, if I've ever heard a politician pray like this, I forgot it or it had been a long time. He stood on the steps of a courthouse in his city. And he said, oh God, on behalf of this city. Oh God, on behalf of this state. Oh God, on behalf of this nation. We confess our fault. We confess our sin. God, we have transgressed your law for the sanctity of life. Oh God, we have gone against everything that you call wholesome and pure and wonderful. And we acknowledge our sin and we confess our sin. And while that dear man was praying, the tears was running down his face. And I don't know if his city will ever have revival. I don't know if his state will ever have revival. I'm hoping America will have revival. But if his city doesn't have one, and if his state doesn't have one, and if America doesn't have one, he's having one in his own heart and in his own life. And I thought about this. If we'd spend more time saying, God, make my heart clean. Make my heart pure. Lord, set my soul on fire. We won't have to worry about the city. We won't worry about the state. We won't worry about the nation. Can you imagine if everybody in Clayton County, Georgia, in the state of Georgia, in the United States of America, can you imagine if every citizen of this country that even claims somewhat to be a Christian would fall on our face and say, Oh God, I'm pursuing you with all of my heart. I'm panting after you with all of my heart. Cleanse my heart. Heal my heart. Set my soul on fire. I believe a revival would sweep this nation and we could turn back the tide of evil aren't you glad that God is able to turn our hearts back again you say brother Joe do you believe America really needs to change your heart oh you don't want me to answer that for 45 minutes this morning well how do you know when a nation needs to change your heart when you care more about spotted owls and lizards and frogs than you do unborn babies in the womb of their mother we need revival amen I'm going to tell you something we've lost our heart we've lost our mind but I believe in prevailing prayer don't you I believe God's able to turn our hearts back again I believe he's able to take the cold heart and set it on fire. He's able to take the dirty heart and make it clean. He's able to take the the lethargic heart and warm it by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's get a hold of God today and swallow our pride and get off our religious uh, high horse and say, God, we failed and we're unclean and we're unworthy. But, oh, God, we invite you right now. I feel a stirring in 
in my soul. In the mighty name of Jesus. That name that is above every name. I claim the blood. I plead the blood. Forgive us of our sin. I believe God can move again through the power of prevailing prayer. It was a prayer that recognized and admitted the sins of the people. It's called repentance. But the second principle I see in this powerful prevailing 63-word prayer. Oh, boy. They acknowledged that God was God and He was God alone. That's why I use the word reverence. Notice in this 63-word prayer, three times. Elijah leaves no doubt, glory, who he's calling on. Three different times in a 63-word prayer, he uses the word Lord. Yahweh, the self-existing one. Can I just talk about him a minute? The one that was before that was a was. The one that is in spite of what else is. And the one that will be no matter what happens in the future. Holy, sovereign, righteous, omnipotent, pure, everlasting, faithful. Can I just ask you a question today? What is your conception of the God this choir sang about? And the God these teachers taught about? And the God that your preacher is preaching about? Can I tell you, he is not a figment of your imagination. He is not the star of a fairy tale from the past. And you look up at me, he is not the old man upstairs. If that's the best you can say, talking about my father, hush your mouth. You're as close to cussing and blaspheming as you'll ever be. He is not Santa Claus. He's not the figurement of the past. He's not old father time. He's not the old man upstairs. He's the sovereign God of heaven and the powerful God of heaven and the omnipotent God of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God Almighty which was and which is to come and he had no beginning and he has no end he had no predecessor and he'll have no successor you can't unpeach him and you can't outvote him he's always on the throne always has been on the throne always been on the throne he's my God he's my Lord he's my master he's my savior he's the rose of Sharon the lily of the valley the bright in the morning star the cornerstone of the church the great high priest, the potentate, the king of every king, and the Lord of every lord, chiefest among ten thousand, Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, the bread of life, the water of life, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the redeemer, the savior, the Lord, the master, the restorer, the emancipator, the forgiver, a the Satisfier. Do you know who I'm talking about? I just believe that the people of God will recognize His kingship and His deity and His lordship and get you off the throne and me off the throne and religious leaders off the throne and turn our eyes upon the only one who is everlasting to everlasting, the only one that's without fault or sin. Jesus is His name. When we'll go to lift Him up and honor him, I believe the fire will fall. Hey! Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Elijah said three times, Lord. Then he threw this in, Lord God, supreme Lord, only Lord, never be another one, ruler, master, omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. I'm enjoying this. In fact, this is really working out better than it did in the study. I preached it to Julie and she's still backslid. I believe it's working on y'all. Hey, he said, Lord, three times. Then he said, Lord God. And when I thought it couldn't get any better, Brother Tom, when I thought it, now don't shout, please save your voice. We need you. Just uh, raise a hand and do some kind of sign or something. Listen. When I thought it couldn't get any better, Lord, three times. Then, Lord God, he threw the definite article in. He said, the God. The God. Now, Brother Joe, don't walk down that narrow road too late. Walking in it already. Because there's not five gods. There's not ten gods. There's not twelve gods. There's not even two gods. There's one God. One Lord, one Savior, one Holy Ghost, one Jesus Christ, the God, the God, not a God, not some God, not one of the many different gods. Can I remind you? He is the God. He is the way. He is the power. He is the sovereign. He is the unction. He is the only one. Ladies and gentlemen, it's God or nothing. It's God or nothing. We don't need another preacher. We don't need another politician. We don't need another denomination. We need God is who we need. And until we look beyond each other and look to God. I had a young fellow come to the day. He said, Dr. Arthur, how many revivals have you held in your 43 years of preaching? I said, son, too many. He said, do what? Are you, are you sorry? You sir? I said, you didn't hear me. You said, how many revivals have I held in 43 years? I said, too many. In fact, I've been holding several. But you know what I'm praying God let me do before I finish my course? Not hold one. Bless God, let one loose somewhere. How many meetings you holding? I'm afraid I've held a few. I'm afraid I've held a few of them back. A few of them hostage. Man, it ain't how many revivals we hold. It's how many we let go and let God get a hold of us. Because it's not about you and it's not about me and it's not about the religious personalities. I want to tell you, Elijah's in that crowd. He's not looking to another prophet. He's not looking to one of the prophet boys. He's not looking to the religious leader of his outfit. He's got his head lifted up toward God. And he said, Lord, Lord God, the God, we recognize who you are. We worship you for who you are. Hey, can I quote some scripture? Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Celebrated be thy name. Praiseworthy be thy name. Party pitching time in thy name. Hallowed, holy, reverenced, honored, worthy. Hallowed be thy name. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to recognize who God is and put him in his rightful place. I ought to be on the cross and he needs to be on the throne. Repentance and reverence. And then I close with this one, the word request. You say, Brother Joe, what can make a 63-word prayer so powerful? 
Well, they acknowledged their sin and wanted God to turn their heart back. They acknowledged who God was and what he meant to them. And here's the kicker. He said, God, I want you to do this for two reasons. Number one, I want them to know, these people to know that ain't nobody like you. You see, he didn't say it like that. That's what it means in Hebrew. Thou art the Lord God. They need to know there's nobody like you. And then number two, he said, they need to know I'm your servant. Lord, the priesthood's been backslid. The school of the prophets need revival. Lord, religion in Israel has taken a hit. And the salt needs to get salty. And the light needs to get shiny. And the people that claim religion in Israel need for you to get a hold of us. And get our testimony back. Our influence back. And our power back. Oh, Brother Joe, what? bring it on down to our level. You really want me to? I mean, it really wants me to bring it down to, to work. Can you handle it? Ladies and gentlemen, religion is at an all-time low in America. Church attendance, according to this Fox News thing I read, is at an all-time low in America. There are political pundits predicting within the next 10 years, they said if some kind of resurgence, let me say it like this, unless we have old-fashioned, heaven-sent, Holy Ghost, sin-killing, Jesus-loving revival, they're predicting that hundreds and hundreds of churches will close their doors in the next 10 years in America. They did a survey overwhelmingly in that survey, they didn't even believe in God. In that survey, overwhelmingly didn't believe that Jesus was real. Overwhelmingly in that survey, didn't have much confidence in the Bible. And overwhelmingly in that survey, very little church attendance. And when I read where they took that survey, I fell on my knees and I said, oh, God, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen on Walt Stevens Road in Jonesboro, Georgia. Brother Oliver, when I seen where they took that survey, they didn't go to the bar and take that survey. They didn't go to a house of ill review and take that survey. They didn't go to the ABC store and take that survey. They didn't go to the drunkards and the, and, uh, and the harlots and the abortion clinics. You, you know where they did that survey? among the so-called religious people in America. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I don't care what the religionists say, he is the Lord God. I don't care what the religionists say, he always has been and always will be the son of the living God. No matter what the religionists say, it's still the blood of Jesus that saves us from sin. I don't care what the religion to say, the Bible is still the holy and erring, infallible, impeccable, impeachable, indispensable word of the living God. 
And no matter what religionists say, Jesus is still Lord. And there's still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And God is able to restore the testimony and the integrity of the church in these last days. May we get salty. May the light still shine. May the church arise to the occasion and lift high the bloodstained banner. We've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's never been more unpopular in America to take a stand for God and right than it is today. But it's still right. And it's still holy. And it's still good. And you're looking at a preacher this morning believes that if it worked for Elijah, it can work for us. You say, why is that? Because the Bible said Elijah was a man of like passion. That that means he, he lived in a body of wickedness and sin and in a world of turmoil just like you and I. But if God can come through for that man, God can come through for you and I in this hour. They acknowledged their sin. They reverenced God and they begged him for their honor to be restored. I really don't believe we'll have a lot of problems in Washington if we'll have revival in the church. Can I say that again? I don't believe we're going to have a lot of problems in Washington. Pennsylvania Avenue, the Congress, the Senate, the United Nations. If America has, if the church has revival... You'll watch God do some amazing things. I don't have time. Maybe I can finish this tonight, but in our text. When Elijah prayed that 63 prayer, 63 word prayer, and acknowledged their sin and honored God and reverenced God and begged God to restore the integrity of his people, it said, then, I like that, don't you? Then, I like that, don't you? Then, the fire failed. And in closing this morning, I want you to see what the Lord gave me. When that fire fell, where did it fall? The first place that fire fell was on the sacrifice that Elijah made. You know what God was saying? Son, I'm going to honor you now. You served me. You put me first. You took a bold stand. You put a sacrifice, and I'm going to put my approval and my touch on your labor. I believe that the church will serve God and put God first. I believe if you will serve God and put God first. I believe if all of us on an individual basis will confess our inadequacy and lean upon the Lord, he'll put the fire on our sacrifice. God will honor it. Sunday school teacher, every time one of your little pupils gets saved, that's the fire falling on your sacrifice. Choir, every time you sing and the congregation gets blessed, that's the fire falling on your sacrifice. Shane, you and your sisters, every time you sing and people get blessed, how many country people we got? That's God saying, okie dokie, okie dokie. And every time the honor of the word of God is preached and God smiles upon it, that's God approving the sacrifice.
Don't you want the approval of God on your life? I sure do want it on mine. I want the fire to burn over there where I live. I want the fire to burn over here in this church. And everywhere I go, I want the fire and the approval of God upon my life. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. And baptize everyone. Let's send it to the fire. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. And baptize everyone. Change it to the anointing. Oh, Lord, send the anointing just now. Oh, Lord, send the anointing just now. Oh, Lord, send the anointing just now. And baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, set my soul on fire. Oh, Lord, set my soul on fire. Oh, Lord, set my soul on fire. And baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, save my children just now. Oh, Lord, save my children just now. Oh, Lord, save my children just now. And baptize everyone. Lord, bless your people right now. Lord, bless your people right now. Lord, bless your people right now. And baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, cleanse my heart just now. Oh, Lord, cleanse my heart just now. Oh, Lord, cleanse my heart just now. And baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, use me right now. Oh, Lord, use me right now. Oh, Lord, use me right now. And baptize everyone. Lord, Lord, I praise you right now. Oh, Lord, I praise you right now. Oh, Lord, I praise you right now. And baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, I surrender right now. Oh, Lord, I surrender right now. Oh, Lord, I surrender right now and baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, I'm going to stop playing church right now. Oh, Lord, I'm going to stop playing church right now. Oh, Lord, I'm going to stop playing church right now and baptize everyone. Oh, Lord, I ain't going to sleep in church no more. Oh, Lord, I ain't going to sleep in church no more. Some of you need it, bless God. Oh, Lord, I ain't going to sleep in church no more. And baptize everyone. Folks, we ain't in a social club. This ain't some big kind of family-run outfit. 
the house of the Lord. A lighthouse for God. Soul winning station. Let's get God on the scene again. We're standing together all over the building. Father, help us today. Move in our hearts. Move in our homes. Move in our families. God, move in our nation.